Artists should have the resources they need to do the work that runs through their veins. And with the gathering of resources, we will one day abolish the phrase, starving artist. Day and night, the movement does not cease, for creativity never sleeps. We are Artist Uprising. Welcome to the Artist Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Cabus. Today we have a very special guest that I'm super excited about. So I'm not just in, you know, introducing you, I'm actually meeting you for the first time. Literally. She is the creative producer of Crown Mag. She is Jasmine Marie. Jasmine, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. I feel honored. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. This is my second shoot of the day. So we're just, we're powering right through. <laughs> it's just like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> How I like to start the show off is by asking the question, where did you find the love to do what you do today? Where did I find the love? Um, so I grew up in a very creative family. Okay. Uh, music and film. My mother was a dancer. Um, my father was a DJ in the 80s. Very cool. Like super old school, trucking his like records around and his big yes. speakers. And, um, and he was like DJing in Korea because he was in the military. So like wow. just, just like a, a super cool dude, used to buy mixtapes from Dr. Dre at the Swap Meets from Long Beach, California. Like so I kind of grew up with like a lot of music influences and creative influences um, in my childhood. Yeah. My brother is also like a concert drummer. Like a genius prodigy Love it. drummer who's been doing it since five. So it's like it kind of it was kind of all around me. So I don't know if there was like this moment or this like one thing that I found the love for it. I feel like creative was always uh, encouraged at home. Right. And it wasn't like something that was said. You yeah. know what I mean? It was. I I still think that my mother probably expected me to have like a more traditional. Um, career right you know but also is not completely not surprised was that, that the plan or were you like what did they give you the freedom to kind of do what you wanted to do my parents gave me like so much freedom love it like i mean we did everything i mean my i think that was my mom's like keep them out of trouble plan i've done archery i was on a bowling league a swim team <laughs> i did tap I've done every type of dance you could possibly imagine. Right. Uh, ballroom, modern, African, jazz. Like, she lit. If there, if, it's like if you go into a rec center and you go to the bulletin board and they have all those flyers, she was just ripping, like, the number from each one is like, yep, we're going to do that, we're going to do that, we're going to do that. Um, cake decorating. Uh, all, I mean, all types of things. And so I literally I tried everything. Like, I got to just really dabble in everything and for a while baking i thought i was gonna be a baker really yeah oh did I you mean, get deep into it like when i can still cooking? decorate a cake okay i'm talking like piping roses like borders you're like serious like, okay I, I can, you can still do that i can still do that like <laughs> it's, it's, what it's kind of insane i really thought that i was gonna open a bakery it was gonna be like a designer pastry shop and i was gonna merge fashion with baked goods so instead of you know which bakeries are doing it now right yeah but instead of like oh these are all of the baked goods we have all the time i would be like this is the spring collection of you know cupcakes or whatever and that <laughs> that was amazing. like that was how i was gonna go about it um i i realized around college that people would pay me for my ideas tell me about this though let's get into yes. this because it's ideas. What ideas are you giving that people are paying you for? I mean, 
So my first, like, oh, I have an idea, and I pulled that idea into the, like, this universe. Yes. Um, I did a, I, I directed a music video shoot for one of my friends who's wow. an artist. Okay. He was, like, twice my age, and he wanted to be... <laughs> He wanted to be like a pop artist, and he's actually so good. Like he has a baby face. He looked like wow. he was seventeen, and he was probably like thirty-eight. Oh, you know, wow. and and he he was like Jasmine. You know, everything you do is so creative, right? Even the cupcakes that you're selling at the farmers market, like they're so creative. And I was like, yeah. I mean, he's like, I have this this song. Listen to the song. It's a love story. Okay, tale as old as time. So I create like this treatment around it. It's like a, a sock hop you know, and like a vintage cool guy, like sock up. And he's like, all right, well, um, you know, I'm going to pay this, this director to direct it, but I want you to direct it. Like I want you to control the set and everything. And that was my first paid creative director gig. Wow. And so he paid me and I feel like this is the even crazier part. Whenever I would get in trouble at home, I was 17 at the time, they would take my phone. And so the last time my mom took my phone, I said, you know, in a respectful way, I don't understand why you get to just take like my only means of communication to the outside world when you're mad at me. And she said, it's because I paid for it. I said, okay, that's all you needed to say. Oh, yes. I, I uh, figured this is where the out. entrepreneurial spirit came yes. from, right here. I was here. like, oh, oh, okay. I figured it right. out. So I went out and I was like, I need to buy my own phone. So I went around the house and I collected all my dad's old electronics. And this is when Radio Shack was still a thing. And I took the dart to the Radio Shack in Wynwood Village and I sold all his stuff. And then I used the gift card that they give you when you sell them old electronics and I bought a Blackberry. Oh. Well, I can't like turn the Blackberry on. I'm like a child. I don't have credit <laughs> yeah. or credit cards, whatever. And so I went to my friend who's 38 and he's like, like, what will it take for you to do this music video for me? And I said, turn this phone on. <laughs> Put this phone on your account <laughs> and, and like pay for it. And so instead of paying me in like this lump sum up front, right, I want you to pay my phone bill like indefinitely. And he was like, done. Wow. <laughs> I can't even remember when that phone turned off. I think when I graduated high school the next year, my parents got me an iPhone. I've heard a lot of stories. But this one, I mean, tops them right now. I was like, I, I, I was honed in on what I wanted. Yeah. And I was like, I, I was already thinking, uh, like equity over lump sum, like, yes. and I, I, I don't even know why, I thought that at the time, you know. But it just made sense because I was trying to solve a specific problem, and to me, the music video was just a part of solving why people keep taking my phone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but like, okay, and so the next time I got in trouble, which was inevitable. <laughs> my, my mom and dad have sat me down, you know, and they're like, all right, well, you know, obviously we're taking your phone for this. And I said, but you can't. And they're looking at me like, and I was like, because I paid for it. And you don't pay the bill. And you didn't pay for the phone. So logically, by your, by your logic, yeah. literally my dad bursts out laughing. <laughs> my mom is so mad, like right. so pissed. <laughs> You know, she's just like, uh, uh, like, no, like that, you know, it, it's not yeah. just that we're your parents. And my dad is like dying laughing, like cannot control it. And he's like, you know what, Tamara? She's right. She has a point. Like we did say that to her. That is amazing. I'm sure that was like a big argument for them that night because he sided with me and he was like, you told her 
we take your property because we own your property. Right. And in that moment, I knew that ownership was like the only thing that mattered to me. As long as I owned my ideas and as long as I owned my physical property, like no one could take it from me. You know, and I think that's what I won't say that was the creative spark because I've always found creative yeah. ways to get things done. But that was the spark of like, this is business. And I can, I can really just like figure out how to make this shit happen. Tell me about how these ideas and your spirit and all, you know, the story that you yeah. just told me, how did that lead to you creating and be becoming a business? Um, once that kind of happened, and I have tons of stories in that same vein. Right. But I guess I started to realize this is not that hard. Like... It kind of clicked for me. Okay, doing business and like just like the the nuts and bolts of doing business are not that hard. Right. Um, and I started to see it as like very transactional. And so I think that's why I was like, okay, I need to. I always knew I'd work for myself in some capacity. Like I just I just felt it and I knew it. And it wasn't because I didn't want to go to work mm -hmm. because I did. I've had many jobs, um, but I knew that like it was simple enough that I could do it myself. Right. Like that's kind of how I saw it. And that's like how the, the blocks kind of slid into place for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, my father journals. And he doesn't journal like, do, 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 this is what happened today, right? He it's journals detailed. like ideas, yeah. um, random notes. Yeah. And I remember a couple years ago, I was moving and I had all this stuff in storage. And I found some of his journals and I found some of my journals. Well, we journal the exact same way. We've never seen each other's journals. Wow. And he's an entrepreneur in my family. He hasn't, he, when he got out of the military, he started a telecommunications business and he's been working for himself ever since. He now yeah. owns a media company that produces things, you know, just pretty much like documentary footage. Right. When Dave Chappelle is like, I want to make a documentary about my life today. He has footage from 15 years ago of Dave Chappelle. Like he, so he's, that's kind of like his vein wow. amongst literally so many other things. Um, but yeah, I just, I've, I've always remembered all of my old journals had some sort of like crazy business idea. Like I've forgotten more business ideas than I could probably come up with today. Um, and so it was only a matter of like, what's going to stick? Is it going to be the bakery? Is it going to be the luxury apron line? Is yeah. it going to be the luxury doggy daycare boarding where I make right. like dog cupcakes? You know, is it going to be like, it, there was, there was always something that I was coming up with, um, party in a box. Yeah. That was my favorite idea. I, was, I stuck on that I idea. I want to know about the party like, in the box. What, for like what, a year. What is the party in the box? The party in the box was, you get this box. And this is has, her idea, everyone. Like, You're TM, not TM, stealing this. TM, TM, TM. No. <laughs> like, party in the box. I don't know. Like, you get this box, and it has everything in it for, like, a tea party or a garden party. Everything <laughs> but the tables and chairs. So like, lit, but like, in a, but the decorations would be really, really nice. Not like the kind of cheapo depot party city. Right. Like, oh, the plates match the napkins. You know, stuff. like some actually cool shit. Yeah. And it would all come in this box. And when I tell you, I used to be at Hobby Lobby just pricing shit out, like writing it in my notebook. Yes. Like, okay, this bird cage could sit on the table. Okay, that's five ninety five. Okay. And like this next thing. Okay. And then I'd be like, okay, this box costs five hundred dollars. Then I'd be like. Because, like, $500 seemed, like, so much back then. Um, now, I mean, it's not that... We, we know it's not that much. Right. Um, 
But yeah, I don't even know why I started telling this story. But party in the box, though. Party in the box. Party in the TM, box. TM, TM. Party in the box. I love it. At some though. point, I'm gonna do that. And you right? are gonna do that. <laughs> like There's so box. many ideas. It's an NFT now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you buy the NFT. You get a party in a box. Do not steal TM. that. You heard it right here. Party in the box. Artist Uprising podcast. Literally. literally. Uh, you guys get 10%. You get 10%. Bing bong. Uh, so, yo, I want to know about Crown Mag. Yeah. Tell me about Crown Mag, yeah. how that started and how you became involved with it. Or if you start, just tell me the story behind it. Uh, I mean, I've never been a part of an organization that felt so much like home. I've worked at agencies and I've, you know, this is my first publication actually. Um, so about last, oof, maybe like the last two years, I remember when Crown Mag kind of started popping up around Dallas. Like they were having these events. They hosted an event at the Texas studio to honor Diamond, right. who was on the cover I produced, and Timmy Coker, the photographer, fab, phenomenally talent, talented photographer. Um, and I remember I actually missed that event, but I remember like honing in on the journal, which is what we're most famous for, is the journal. We put them out once a year, so there's four. Um, and I remember being like, whoa, the, the magazine, the, the premise of Crown Mag is that we are the most beautiful and most honest representation of black women in the history of print media, really. Mm-hmm. And for me, being a black woman and being able to see something that was literally for me and everyone looked like me, everyone was like, the hair articles weren't about like, Dry shampoo. You know, dry shampoo don't do shit for me. Okay? Like, that's like, that's baby powder. (laughs) And so to see a magazine that's like, how to care for 4C hair, which is one of the thickest strands of hair, which is what I have. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the hair industry and the makeup industry and the beauty industry has always catered to women as an afterthought. Black women as an afterthought, right? It's been like, oh, the perfect shade of red. Okay, but what about on the spectrum of black skin? Or this sunscreen is great, okay, but it's ashy on me. Like, it, it makes me look like a ghost. You know what I mean? Like, so where's my sunscreen? Right. You know, where's yeah. my um, source of information to, like, just exist in a beautiful way mm-hmm. as a black woman? Right. Um, and so having a publication like that, like, it honestly changes the game. And it's done at such a high level of production and quality um, that, that is just, it's astounding. I mean... We uh, passed out magazines at the farmer's market this past weekend, and I handed it to a woman. It was a woman and her daughter um, at a lemonade stand, and she literally started crying because she was so happy that she got to give the mag to her daughter and that her daughter got to see someone that looked like her on the cover of this magazine. Beautiful. And so I I say all that to say I was chosen to do a Pinterest board, like create a Pinterest board and submit it mm-hmm. in order to shoot the cover. Yeah. They put out like an open call and they were like, hey, we're partnering with Pinterest. And what's crazy is I had started a Pinterest board for Crown Mag a year before this happened. Because I, you know, again, I have a million ideas a day. And so I, I knew at some point I wanted to work with them. And so whenever I'd have an idea in this vein, I would just throw it in that Pinterest board. Like, I'm going to work with them. You, know, you, you manifested day. it. Quite literally. And so when they hit me up, I remember I was on a Zoom call uh, with one of my teams that I was working with, and I literally audibly screamed. (laughs) When I got the email, because they were like, you've been chosen to shoot the Dallas cover of Crown Mag, I was like, oh, shit. 
<laughs> like, and we shot the cover. It was fabulous. We had Diamond on the cover. Oh my God. Like, she's fabulous. Um, beautifully talented stylist. And now, I mean, she is a model in my eyes. She won't say that she's a model, but she's a model. Um, Fela Raymond shot it. Love him. Uh, oh my gosh. I mean, come on. So good. And Brooke and Ryan, they're a husband and wife production team that absolutely nails it every fucking time. Right. And sorry if I cuss, but okay. <laughs> I gotta be right. myself. <laughs> There's no judgment zone there. Yeah. But yeah, and so we did this cover, right? We're we're in this beautiful house on Swiss Avenue, the historical district in Dallas, and it just felt like family, right? Like everyone there. It was like I didn't have to check for shit. Like, as the creative director, sometimes you're, like, running around like a chicken with your head cut off, like, making sure everyone's in the right place. Right. I didn't have to do that because everyone was, was professional and everyone was, like, such a giant in their field. And they were, the, I was so lucky to, like, have the, like, just, like, a powerful team in the room. Yeah. And so I remember feeling, like, so inspired after that and then thinking, like, that's it. Right? Like, oh, I did it. You know, I, I, I shot the cover of the magazine. Woo, cool. No expectation. Yeah. Um, like a week after the shoot, Nkrumah, who's one of the founders, he calls me up. He's like, hey, you know, can you talk in an hour? Okay. So we sit and we FaceTime for like an hour or two. And I was like, oh, like, they think I'm cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they just kind of want to yeah. talk to me. And so, and then Lindsay, our, my other co-founder um, and editor-in-chief, she, she hits me up. Hey, you want to go get coffee? Yeah, like, you know, to me, I'm like, ooh, new connections, right? I, I, networking. Networking. I exactly. revere them so much. Yeah. Right? Um, and so this, this happens for, like, a month, where they will randomly call me and want to talk. And we, we're talking about everything and nothing. And I'm just being my full self. I'm cussing. I'm like, ah, fuck that shit. You know, like, <laughs> whenever we're talking about stuff, right. like, I'm, I'm, we're talking about political issues. We're talking about this. And I'm giving my full self and opinions. Because in my mind, I'm just like, you know. We're just here. To, we're chilling. And so maybe about like a month or two later, Nakuma is like, look, um, there's never been a person more suited for this position. And I'm like, hmm, what position? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, because I'm just like, you know how you're just real quiet. Right. You're like, let me just let him finish like, talking. what is happening Because I don't know here. what's happening. Yeah. And, and they basically offered me the position. Like, what would it take to get you over here and to produce the whole magazine? Um. I think I dropped the phone because I genuinely just didn't see myself. But did you go scream like while they said it or oh, were you just like composed? I was and, like, real chill. Okay. I was like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Cool. Yes, I don't know okay. what it would take, Nakuma. I don't right. know. Let me think about it. Let me, let me, let me uh, sit on the beach. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a number, you know, like the mob. Like, let me put a number on a right. napkin and like yeah. slip it to you. And so I... Um, I talked to my friends, family, I geeked out. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them a number that's crazy. Um, Cause I'm just like, in my mind, and not so, that so much the number was crazy. I wanted to give them a number that I was uncomfortable with. And the reason for that is, you know, as what I'm learning, especially as a woman, is that in, in business, in negotiations, we're, we're very, um, we're very, Con- like we're conditioned to be agreeable as women. That's what society conditions us into. And we're also conditioned to make sure like everyone likes us, you know? Mm. And so when you go to a negotiating table and you yeah. sit down for men who are, who are conditioned differently, like men are conditioned like, think like sports. 
you lose, okay, cool, good sportsmanship. Like, guys in rugby, my dad played rugby. Guys in rugby can, like, break each other's noses and be best of friends and be, like, at the bar drinking a beer two seconds later. Yes. If you break my nose, I will vow to make your life hell for the rest of my living days and also yours. Like, I think we're just, we're wired differently. Yeah. You know? And so what I was starting to learn is um, if the number, if you're comfortable with the number, is too low. If your hand is shaking while you're sending that email, that's the number, you know? And it's like, that's how, I think that's kind of how we take it upon ourselves to close the gap, right? Uh, Because women are less likely to to go for salary negotiations or to renegotiate a contract or, or ask for provisions or addendums, et cetera. So said all that to say, I gave them a number that made my hand shake. (laughs) <laughs> and they were like, okay. <laughs> wow, yes, yes. <laughs> Which yes. meant maybe the number was still a little low. low. You could have gone higher. But, you know, yeah. I, I was happy. I was right. happy. And, um, you know, it's just the first time I've been a part of, and I, I told them at the beginning, I was like, I'm not looking to work for anyone else. I, I was straight up about that. And so that's why I think it was so out of left field when they offered me the position, because I was just like, wait a minute. But it just felt so right. You know, it felt like, okay, legacy building, right? Like, I can feel like we're, we're print. You know, we're also digital, but we're print. And it's like, okay, where else in the work that I've done can I feel it? And can I look in the eyes of a seven-year-old girl at the farmer's market in Dallas who has tears in her eyes? And because that's how the work is moving her. Mm. Like, we're, like, I've done some dope shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? But ain't nobody ever cried over my shit. You know, like it's it's definitely been more like geared towards creating content for businesses and for brands and to move like our good old capitalistic system forward, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like good soldiers. But to be able to contribute to something that's so impactful that that people when when I mention Crown Mag in certain rooms, you know, people are like, yo, like we've built such like a community and Nakuma and Lindsay did an amazing job at, at literally grinding it out and building this community from scratch with their hands together to the point where I, if I'm in Brooklyn and I say, yeah, you know, I work for Crown Mag, they're like, how are Nakuma and Lindsay? How are they doing? Wow. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah. like, they're just, it's like, they're, it's such a amazing feeling yeah. to know that the work is so much bigger than the work. Right. You know what I mean? Bigger than you. Literally. Bigger than me. And to be honest, I was very selfish and self-centered in the way that I did business. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way, but in a very, like, um, funny story. I remember I was on a work retreat yeah. at the last marketing agency I worked at. Uh-huh. And my, uh, you know, they do the little shitty, like, oh, everyone review each other. You know what I mean? Ooh. Like, peer, peer review. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, Jasmine's so great. She's so funny. She's so nice. She's an Afro. She's cool. And then the, the negative thing was like, um, yeah, so Jasmine, like, won't work on a project if it doesn't benefit her. And I was like, hell fucking yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bitch. I fucking won't. I am not doing extra labor if right. it does not, if I can't see the benefit of it for me. And so obviously that's like a negative way to look at it, but yeah. it's, it's kind of true. Like I was, I was going after projects and producing work that I knew would get me the next job or I would, knew, would get me to the next place, the next person, uh, whatever it was. Like that's where my focus was. And so 
working with the magazine has literally reshifted how I view business, how I view my work and the work that I'm doing, because now I feel like I'm, this is so beyond me. And I'm also in an organization where it's more than me. And I love that. Yeah. You know, I love that we're all working towards this common goal and I get to flex my creativity in mm-hmm. the midst of it. But I'm also making a fucking difference. Right. Right. And it's a difference I won't see completely, maybe. But to me, seeing that little girl, like that was all I needed. That was beautiful. You know what I mean? Like it was crazy. What, as far as for our viewers, give us kind of a glimpse into the world of like what a creative producer does. Yeah, so I am uh, just a well-paid project manager. <laughs> Break it down. <laughs> Break it down. I, like, it's still cool, though. Come I mean, on. so basically, my chief creative, yeah. right, he'll be like, yo, I, I want to shoot this personality. Let's say we're shooting Oprah. Okay. And he's like, okay, either he will say, this is my vision. Like, I already got it. And I will make that vision come to life. From the moment he says it to me out loud to the moment I have to hire the entire team, I have to source the flowers, let's say, whatever it is, props, hair, makeup, styling, videography, every, all the moving parts. I'll, I'll create decks around light references, um, photo references, video references. This is what we want it to look like. This is what we want it to feel like. I'll make a playlist for the shoot mm-hmm. because we're very big on vibe. Very big on scents. Love it. Right? So there's like a specific candle that's there that's burning. Um, the, ho- the whole hospitality element of it, right? It's, ju- it's just my job to be like, okay, get it done, but get it done at a level where people are like, damn, it smells good in here. You know what I mean? Or, or it feels good in here. Or I love shooting with them. I, w- I want to shoot with them again. Right. Like having that element on every side of it is my job. Um, the other vein is like, he's like, hey, I want to shoot Oprah. Figure out what we're going <laughs> to how we're going to shoot her, where we're going to shoot her, what she's going to be in. You, you bring me a concept and I'll, I'll tweak it up. And so it was just that whole process just slightly in reverse. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, basically my job is to hire teams, to manage those teams and to make sure that at the end of the day, the vision that I'm, I'm pulling out of his head or out of my head matches the images in the video that I have right. on this hard drive yeah. <laughs> that needs to be edited or chopped or rinsed or whatever, yeah. you know, and we get it across that finish line and it lands in your hand. Do you think because of all the experiences you've had uh, leading up to what you do now, because you've mm-hmm. worn so many hats, you have <laughs> so many ideas yeah. that when you're working with these individuals who work under you, that you pretty much know how to handle them individually. You know what's wild? Since I've started working this position, I've realized how much I don't know. Oh. Literally. Like, especially when it comes to photography and videography. I've been around in my entire life. I cannot fucking tell you what camera that is. Right. Like, okay. I, I can't. Like, yeah. if you start talking to me about lenses, I'm like, just bring them all. You know, like, don't ask me yes. <laughs> which one to bring. <laughs> and it's, it's something that I've taken initiative to learn more about. But for on a certain level, yes, I do feel like, okay, I can at least say, you shouldn't be standing over there like that. Like, I at least know that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know, like, oh, he has to mic me up. You know, I, it, it's like on a basic level, I kind of understand every job in there. Mm. I might not understand it on a technical level, mm. but I definitely can, I can definitely feel like the vibe of like, okay, this isn't vibrating right. I feel like you should look this way and not that way. Yeah. Like, I can, I can give you that. But yeah. I can't be like, oh, get the Sony FX 
70 and switch it with the 30 and, and you know, no. light them like this. You know, like I You can't. find the people that can handle that <laughs> yes, kind of stuff. Yes, yeah. it's it not easier. me. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. me at all. So along with Crown Magazine mm -hmm. as the creative producer, you also have an agency, Mason mm -hmm. St. James. Yes. I would love to know about Mason St. James yeah. and uh, how you came about with it and yeah. So it actually started as an experiential marketing company. Um, actually, let me rewind. Yeah. It started as a dinner party for me and my friends. Um, when I was a stylist, which yeah. didn't tell you about that, but I was a fashion stylist for three years. Um, I made top sales in my store. And so I was able to go to the Hamptons to style people there. And I was the only stylist uh, slash floor manager from Texas that went all that, that was like transplanted all the way to Southampton. You went to a party in the Hamptons? So like one of those like ditty parties? I wish. I, I have oh to my ask. god. I always talk about it. I I fucking wish. No. Okay. But, but I did go to a party at a horse jockey's house. Okay. Which I know nothing about. No. But apparently they make a fuck ton of money. Yes. Because yes. I'm looking at this house like he, This I'm is sorry. in the Hamptons, right? Yes. I'm like, I'm sorry, he rides horses for a living? And this this okay. I mean, all right. If you like it, I love it. Yeah. But yeah, so while I was there, again, I was going to these experiences. I was going to these parties and these dinners. And I started to realize, I was like, yo, like, my friends will never really get to experience this. Mm. Like, I can't necessarily bring them with me. But this level of, like, opulent, almost disgusting luxury, right? Almost just like, come on, guys. Dumb you money. know? Yeah. Like, yeah. really? Um, but I started to, I, again, my mind works in like nuts and bolts. I, I can see something and then I, I can like take it apart. And I'm like, oh, this is just this, 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 and this. Like, it makes sense. And so I got home and I was like, I want to throw a dinner party that looks like a dinner party I went to that to me was not rocket science, right? Yeah. It's not because they were so crazy, disgust, disgustingly filthy rich that they get to have a dinner party mm -hmm. like that. It's just like they have like leisure. They have time. To have these experiences to experience this stuff. So I said, okay, I came home and I said, I'm going to throw a dinner party. And it's going to feel like we're in the Hamptons. Probably better. Because um, it'll actually be diverse. Yeah. <laughs> and have actual good music. <laughs> okay. The chicken will have seasoning. <laughs> you know? right. So I was like, it might be better. I don't know. Yeah. But, and I had this dinner party and it was like such a hit. And my friends were like, ah, oh, you got to do this again. You got to do this again. You should charge people. And I was like, baby, I'm already on it. Okay? I got the website loading. Literally. It's happening. Yes. Um, and so I had my first official launch. It was like light bites and champagne and things like that. Mm. Um, and when I tell you it was, it was in, the, in December, December 11th, I'll never forget it. I had it at a three-story walk-up on Hervé because I wanted it to feel like New York. And it was like 20 degrees outside. And people were waiting in line to get in. Oh, yeah. And to me, that just like felt like so much love. You know what I mean? We, mm -hmm. we hit capacity so early. I had my brother-in-law bouncing the door. Mm. Like, literally, like, y'all can't. I'm sorry. You cannot come. Like, legally, you can't come in here. Yeah. Um, but we had such a fabulous time. And I remember multiple people stopping me and being like, wow, that was the most diverse group of people I've ever seen in one room. And we're not talking about like, oh, there's black people and there's white people. You know, it was like diverse and like 
I have some friends from when I styled in John Barbados who look like straight up vampires. I love them to death. They're in a rock band. Love. They like purposely paint their faces white, love. like white tur, yeah. you know, and they, they literally look like vampires. And I'm talking about like, I'm talking like Brad Pitt interview with a vampire-esque vampire, yes. um, like sharp nails, and like, like literally our nails probably match, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so literally just the most diverse group of people you could yeah. possibly think of. And so mm -hmm. I had a lot of people from New York that was like, wow, this is the first time Dallas has ever felt like home or it's ever felt, you know, like the camaraderie and the diversity that you would get in a New York City. That was the first time they felt it. And that was me just like trying to get all of my people who normally exist in these separate circles, like all in the same room. Yeah. And it was amazing. And I literally, even that night, I was like, y'all, I'm starting this company. I have no idea what we do, but I think this is what we do. Like, I, I didn't have it yet. Yeah. But I was like, if I could just keep getting y'all to show up, something's gonna happen. Like, I know it. And so, and it did. I mean, we did private dinners at, you know, mansions in Kessler Park with chefs, uh, amazingly beautiful, talented chefs. Um, I've introduced people to new foods they would never eat before, mm -hmm. uh, experiences, music, culture, across the board, you know? And so that's, that's like where it was born. It turned into an agency because of the pandemic. Mm. And because immediately, <laughs> the year I was supposed to ramp up, you know, and we got funding and we have sponsors and Hennessy wants to sponsor us and Bumble wants to sponsor They want to do an event and all these things. And I was like, Ugh, we're going to be having like five events a month. Like, I'm going to be rolling in it. You know what I mean? Like, this is it. And then the pandemic hit. And I was like, ah. So I pivoted to set design. And so, because to me, an event is just a big set, right? It's just a set people interact with. Mm -hmm. Right? And so I started doing set design because everyone in the pandemic started a business. And they needed images, you know? And so that carried the company. That carried me. <laughs> like, kept the lights on, kept the rent paid. Um, and yeah, and then slowly, maybe last year, it just started to become very taxing, you know? And I was, like, driving. I was living in Austin at the time, driving to Dallas every week wow. to do, like, two or three sets, and then I'd drive back home. And I realized, I was like, okay, it's time for the next thing. Like, I've done this, this feels good, but it's time for the next thing. And I, want, I wanted my worth to come from my ideas again. Yeah. It always goes back to my ideas yeah. versus my physical labor. Can I sell something I don't physically have to be in the room to sell you? Right. And for me, that was ideas and that was bringing concepts together. So... When I did that cover for Crown, I was kind of reaching that point of like, okay, what's next? Like what? And I, and I even contemplated, I did a program called the Marcus Graham Program uh, Project, mm. which I highly recommend to any person of color who's trying to make it in the marketing industry. Um, because what they've done is create a space for huge brands like Hennessy, like Meet and Kennedy, 72 and Sunny, to, we create like a pop-up agency for the summer with 13 other individuals, super talented, and we handle client work for these brands. Well, because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next, I went, I went through this program. It's like a crazy ass boot camp. The right? Marcus Graham. The Marcus Graham Project. Okay. It's called MGP. Yeah. And I was like, this is perfect. It's going to knock me into alignment with whatever I'm supposed to do. Like, and it, 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 I can only compare it to like pledging. 
right? Like, it wasn't as bad because we weren't in person. It was virtual. It was the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if they call me and I don't want to answer, I don't answer. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So, but it was great. And our clients were Apple and my favorite, favorite client. Um, And now, dear friends, Dreamville Records. Yes. Wow. And so I was like, yo, when I found out Dreamville was going to be the client, I definitely applied. I was like, oh, yeah, this is the time. Because I've been around the, pro- the program. I mean, it, it was based in Dallas yeah. for like 15 years. So I've wa- most of my friends have gone through it. I've watched people go through it. I almost felt like a late boomer because they were going through it like we were in college. And I was in a lot of ways, it. you were kind of going through it without having to be through it because then when you came, you already came with the oh, experience. I, I had the oh. game plan. Yes. I had the blueprint. I was like, this, yes. happened. this is what they're going to do to us. <laughs> this is what we're going to do to them. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. Um, and it was amazing because I got to do brand management for Dreamville. We mm-hmm. got to help them produce um, the Shy League, which is a basketball tournament in Chicago that they purchased from Nike. Nike used to have it, and now Dreamville has it in Wilson, which is now the new official ball of the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, like, so many moving parts and so many amazing opportunities to work with. You know, Dreamville is, like, a very tight-knit family, and they're dope. You know, and it's like 10 people running the whole company. <laughs> so like... And they're close, They're too. They're very close-knit. Yeah. Um, they're really not here for the bullshit. Uh, they're there for the music, and they're there to make an impact. And I loved and respected that. about Because, you know, music industry, you know, you have like... <laughs> exactly. For a while. Yes. Yeah. And I purposely stayed away from the music industry because of my father, like, yeah. and the business that I've seen and been grown up around. And so it was just so refreshing. They, they are so, um, it's about the creativity. It's about the ideas. And they definitely like push that ball forward. And so it was amazing. They welcomed us with open arms. I think we were the first time they ever accepted like interns mm-hmm. or like people to touch the work or even be on the inside track of the company. <clears throat> yeah. And so it felt like such an honor, you know, to be able to work with them and to be able to even call most of the team, my friends now, like to be like, I, I, can, I can call them. I know they'll pick up and they'll right. answer um, and so that after the program was like ending, I was like, okay, do I want to go work for Dreamville? And then Crown started circling. I was like, oh my God, okay, maybe I get to work. So can you imagine your, your job options are Dreamville or Crown Bag? Like, I mean, I was like, what, what is this life that I'm living and how has it changed so much? But you, you know, worked for it. I did. You, you worked know for what? everything you're talking about. You know, I did. the box party. I- Boom! Dreamville edition. Yes. <laughs> right. This is what this is what how it's supposed to happen. Look, I I I love it. Like, and and I have to remind myself that, right? And I feel like as yeah. creatives, we do suffer from a little imposter syndrome mm-hmm. because half the time I'm like, yo, do am I supposed to be here? Like, can I even really do this? Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, yo, I've had so many jobs. I've been a host. My first job was a coffee barista at Opening Bell at the bottom of Southside. Love that. Don't know how legal it was. I was young as hell. And I was opening a coffee shop and then going to school after. You know, and Pascal's like Pascal's cool, man. She is cool. So She's cool, cool people. She was always mad chill. You yes. know, like did not question a 15 year old. Shout out to Pascal. Literally. <laughs> Did not question a 15 year old yeah. opening up her coffee shop by herself at 6 a.m. And again, they have music that comes through there. It's one of like the yeah. best live music, indie music. Like it's known all over the country yeah. as somewhere you would stop yeah. if you wanted to get your music out mm-hmm. in Dallas. And so it's like literally I feel like my all over the placeness has prepared me for what I'm doing now. Because I feel like I can confidently speak about so many different subjects and topics that 
you know, I would normally be like, oh, let me just stay in my lane over here. But it's like my lane is everywhere. Everywhere. All the time at the same time. But you embrace that. I love it. I, lo I, I used to try to put myself in a box and try to figure out what I did specifically. And this is probably the first time in my life I can just say, you know what? My name is Jasmine. I'm the creative producer of Crown Mag. That is the first time in my life that I can stand behind a singular title. Because mm -hmm. if you'd asked me two years ago, I'd be like, I mean, I, pl I plan events and like... I do photo shoots and I model sometimes when people ask me right. and I'm trying to figure out this company thing. You know, it was just like, I, I, it's all over the place, but it's like, no, this is what I do. And I stand behind that and I'm supposed to be here and I'm, I'm kind of good at it. You know, that is, I mean, <laughs> so many, I always say this, there's so many gems in today's I, I, episode. I love it. <laughs> I mean, uh, are we a clubhouse right now? <laughs> Yo, they're talking gems. Uh, I, <laughs> I want to know, like, uh, as far as in your vision, board, yeah. what, what, what does the next five years look like Oof. for you? Man, um, ownership, ownership, ownership. Mm. Like, I don't know if that's a house right. or it's a studio, um, but my focus has been ownership of something. Like, I want to own a piece of this earth. Right. So that's, that's like, definitely in the next five years. Um, I want to... I want to grow Crown Mag and, and assist in the growth of Crown Mag to the point where I get to hire like 10 of me. Because especially as like a black woman in this creative industry, it was very often I'd walk into a room and I'd be the only black girl there or a black person, mm -hmm. not counting the staff. And you know they love to count the staff. <laughs> Like, our guy Ernie over there takes out the trash every day. He's part of our diversity initiative of, like, <laughs> we ask him questions about how we can make the world a better place. You know, oh, and it's like, right. okay. okay. Right. But. <laughs> that is crazy. But it's like, you know, I want to make sure I, I get to a place where I can turn around and pull up 10 more black girls that look like me. Right. Um, and give them an opportunity that's a well-paid opportunity. That's not, like, some pity job because we have to include a certain number of you yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's well paid it's it's something that moves them forward and it's something that develops the next generation of talent like you know we won't keep them forever but I used to hate working at agencies and feeling like anytime I, I achieved any modicum of success it was viewed as like some sort of threat and that was always my experience, right? I was the cool, fun black chick that worked in the office up until I had my name in the paper or up until, like some, up until the client loved me so much, they requested me instead of this other person and then changed the, like, the dynamics of the office. It was always like my creativity and my expansiveness right. was always viewed as like a threat. And I think it's because they knew I was not going to be there for long. And if you're using me, you know, I had an agency job that when I started doing the dinners, I invited my boss, I invited my coworkers. I was like, look what I've been toiling over for, you know, from six yeah. to midnight when we're off, like I'm working on this. And I was so happy and excited and they were so thrilled and like, oh my God, look at this dinner, look at this mansion, look at this, look at this. Um, that dinner got written up in the paper. And we, when I went to the office the next day, the landlord of the office, it was like a shared co-working space, put the paper, like put the article up on the screens. Like every screen in the office was like, yo, Jazz, you know, like 
this is so dope. Like, what are you doing? And I immediately remember the attitude shift from that moment. Mm. Because, and it, nothing, nothing was said to me that day. Right. Not even, not a congratulations, not a, you know, but what was said to me, I remember we were getting out of a client meeting. We were talking about like PR. Um, and, and someone, one of the other account managers made like the comment of like, well, I mean, you get yourself press, but can you get our clients press? Oh. Or like, can you get the company press? Like, why haven't you gotten the company article in the Observer? Like, you have an article. And, it was, and from then on, it was like that energy at that job. Energy shifted. Oh, it was such a shift. Because then it was just like, and then I, I remember having multiple meetings about using what I do on company time. Yeah. The resources of the company that I'm using or not using. Are you using your company laptop to plan these events? Are you using company resources, company contacts? Are you planning these events on your lunch break? And there was no evidence that I was doing any of that shit, right? Because I fucking wasn't. Mm -hmm. I was doing it at night. But it was almost like, how, how can you be this good at something and not be taking from me? That was the mindset, right? And so I, I clammed up and then I ended up getting fired because I didn't fit the company culture. Knowing what you know now, though, yeah. what advice would you give to yourself back then? How yeah. do you navigate around, you know, just call for what it is? How do you navigate around the hate? Um, it forced me to be more private. And so I would tell my former self to celebrate your wins, but keep them close to the chest. Because you don't know everyone's intentions, right? And so often we view our coworkers as our friends. They're not your friends, they're your coworkers. And it sounds harsh, right? But it's important when you're a young black creative moving through a non-black system that you're very cognizant that everyone doesn't have your best interest at heart. And so I, I came in like so green, so happy. Let me tell you everything all the time, you know, cause I'm excited about it. And I, I slowly was reminded like, these are not your friends. This, this person that owns this agency is making money off of you, right? Your labor, your work, your event planning, whatever it is, is making the company money. So if they see, just from like, I had to take it outside of myself. It wasn't personal, mm -hmm. you know? If they see like an asset that she has that's making her money has the potential to fly the coop or has the potential to make more money in another form somewhere else, like, naturally, you want to grab on harder to that or be like, you know what? You can do that shit. Don't do it on my time. Almost as if it's like, oh, well, like, if it's going to discourage me or like, mm -hmm. oh, I guess I can't do it as much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I would just tell my former self to play it close to the chest. Your coworkers are not your friends. You can have friends that are coworkers and coworkers that are friends. Mm -hmm. But as a default, they are your coworkers. Like, right. they are not your friends. Right. So just keep that in mind. Um, and I think I tell my former self, like, you have something, so keep going. Like, this idea that you have, like, you think that you're kind of failing because it, it hasn't, like, blown up or it's not, like, super clear to you. But even when it's fuzzy, still jump. I think that's what I tell my former self. Even when it's fuzzy, even when it's fuzzy, still, still jump. jump. Like, yeah, like there, there, it could be very cloudy and you can't really see, but still jump because it will clear up, and there might not ever be a time where it is clear to jump. Yes, you know, so you have to just, all right, shit, fuck it, like I'm out here. So I think <laughs> normally towards the end of like the show, I would ask for the 
What's your advice? That was it. I mean, that's it. Even when it's fuzzy. Still jump. Jump. Yeah. Wow. Man, there's <laughs> so much here that I mean, I've learned. This is, thank, I just want to thank you once again for course. being a part of uh, our little podcast, of the course. Artist Uprising podcast, and thank you for taking time. Yeah. Um, for our viewers and listeners, how can they find you on social media? Um, I am Marie St. James, spell out the saint, um, and... <clears throat> I am, I know that's pretty much it. Like Marie St. James across all platforms. Uh, crownmag.com, keep the O off. So it's C-R-W-N-M-A-G.com. And it's at crownmag across all platforms. Anything to be um, on the lookout for coming up? So uh, we already dropped our Web3 NFT crypto zine and our Dallas cover, which features Diamond Mahone. So those are already out. They're on our website for purchase. Mm -hmm. um, and we have so many other zines dropping um, the bottom half of this year and even more events coming up. Um, about two months ago, we hosted our first writer's reception um, and it was absolutely phenomenal in Dallas, like such a great turnout. So we will definitely be doing more of those around the country, but definitely in Dallas because right. Dallas is now home. Yeah. We are now based out of Dallas. Wow. Great. So, yeah, I mean, that's 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 what to look out for. Yeah. Thank you once again. Absolutely. I can't thank you enough. <laughs> and uh, thank you all for watching. And we will see you soon. Stay tuned and explore the next Artist Uprising. Use hashtag Artist Uprising to join the movement.